Thank you for being here this morning. We're so grateful for your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We love to have visitors, and we would love to have you as part of the work here. If you're looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to consider the work. I know our elders would be more than happy to meet with you to discuss with you the work of the church here, to answer any questions that you might have about how you might be involved in the work of the church and spreading the gospel in this community. We have a gaping hole in our services today in terms of our number. We've got a lot of young folks that are away on an annual trip, and so we trust and pray that they'll be back safe and sound this afternoon. Hopefully and prayerfully, they've learned a lot, enjoyed their time together, and we'll return and be here for our services tonight. We're going to be looking today at Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Today we want to talk about the agony of anxiety. Many of us have a number of anxieties or worries in life. It seems to me that there are a number of us that are addicted to, a, to anxiety. And so today we're going to be talking about the agony of anxiety, and maybe we might ask the question, why are we addicted to that which is so agonizing? In Philippians chapter 4, Paul deals with the problem of anxiety. And so today in our study, we're going to be looking at what Paul said to the saints in Philippi, and bear in mind, the Apostle Paul was writing from a Roman prison. And he was writing to people in an effort to encourage them to be joyful in their Christian lives and to live without anxiety or worry. So today I call attention to Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. We want to begin by, first of all, talking about the reality of anxiety, and this has to do with the problem of anxiety. I want to begin by simply talking about the immensity of the problem. Anxiety or worry is a massive, massive problem. Many of us here today, our lives are filled with anxiety and worry. We might well ask the question, as Jesus did in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, why do you worry? What are you worried about? Why are you living in anxiety? What is it that is so agonizing in your life that you're literally living in a state of anxiety or worry? Jesus asked that question to people in the first century. I think it's a fair question. Why do you worry? Why are you living in anxiety? I think about the vast numbers of people who get up in the morning and their lives are filled with anxiety or worry. They go to bed at night, again, filled with anxiety and worry. Many people have difficulty sleeping at night, going to sleep, staying asleep because of anxiety or worry. So Jesus asked a profound question. And then I think about 
the intensity of the problem. In Luke chapter 21, in verse 34, Jesus discourages us from being weighed down by the cares of this life. There are a lot of people in the world today, and that would include all of us, who are weighed down by the cares, anxieties, or worries of life. Have you ever thought about how worry and anxiety robs us of life? The joyfulness of life, the satisfaction of life, contentment in life. Paul talks about rejoicing in the Lord and living a life of joy and contentment. A life of strength in Christ. And yet many times we live in a state of paralysis because of anxiety and worry. Again, Jesus asked the question, why do you worry? Why are you worried today? Why are you living in anxiety? Is it because of your job? Is it because of your home life? Are you worried about your spouse? Is it because you're worried about your children, your grandchildren, maybe a brother, a sister, a friend, a classmate? Are you worried about the direction of our country? Are you worried about where you are in life? Maybe it's because you're not where you want to be, and so you're anxious. So we talk about the reality of anxiety. And the reality is it's a real problem. What about the remedy for anxiety? Is there a divine prescription? Does God have an antidote for those of us who are living in anxiety or worry? Does God have a remedy for those of us who are weighed down, as Jesus said, by the cares of life? I think the answer is yes. First of all, I want to suggest that there is a place for prayer in life. Listen, if you would, to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. In other words, do not worry about anything. Now, if you go back and look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus asked the question, why do you worry? And then three times, Jesus specifically said, do not worry. Now, think about that. Here is the divine Son of God, and He is saying three very concise times, do not worry. It's exactly what Paul is saying. So how then do we offset our anxieties or worries? Listen to what Paul said. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
So number one, there is a place for prayer in your life. Think about Jesus for a minute. When you look at the life of Jesus, is it not the case that he left us an example that we are to follow in his steps? That's exactly what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that stands out to me, he was a man of prayer. He spent a lot of time in prayer to God the Father. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, the Bible talks about how Jesus on one occasion arose early in the morning and went out into a solitary place and there he prayed. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Luke said that Jesus went out to the mountain and there prayed. And the Bible says he continued all night in prayer. So on one occasion he rises early in the morning and prays to God. On another occasion he spends the night in prayer to God. And then with the weight of the cross before him. Matthew tells us that Jesus bowed in the presence of God the Father and poured his heart out. Luke said in chapter 22 that Jesus being in agony prayed more earnestly. So how then do we meet anxiety or worry in life? Is it possible for us to turn the tables on anxiety? Is there a countermeasure? The answer is yes. What's that answer? It's prayer. That's the remedy. That's the antidote. Now, Paul said, In nothing be anxious, but in everything. There is no circumstance in your life or mine that shouldn't be met with prayer. Listen to Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, pray without ceasing. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. What Paul is saying is, we ought to be people of prayer. We ought to spend a lot of time on our knees praying to God. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. Do you remember what James said in James chapter 5, verse 16? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There is great power in prayer. So, what Paul is saying is, if you want to offset anxiety or worry in your life, what you need to do is turn to God in prayer. Now, there's not just a place for prayer in life, but there is the privilege of prayer in life. Think about the privilege of knowing that God hears our prayers. You ever thought about that? That there is a God in heaven who created this universe that spoke this universe into being. And he will willingly, patiently, lovingly listen to our prayers. Solomon said that the Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. That is, God delights in your prayers. When you bow in his presence, he's happy to hear from you. 
Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. That means God is listening. Not only is he listening, but he is attentive to every single word. God hears you when you pour your heart out to him. He is listening. His attention is not diverted. It's not divided. But God in heaven is listening to you as if you are the only person on this planet. That ought to say something to us. So, God will hear our prayers. We have the privilege of knowing God hears our prayers. And then there's a second thing that stands out to me. And that's the fact that God handles. We have the privilege of knowing God handles our prayers. I want you to think about it from this vantage point. You ever had a problem or had something going on in your life and you've gone in to try to get some answers or some help? And maybe the person or group of people that you're talking to, they listen to you and they say, we're going to have to give that some thought. We're not sure how to handle that. We've got to think about that. Or maybe you call somebody and you ask them for some help and they tell you, I'll help you, but I can't get to you right now. Or maybe the problem is so complex, so complex, what they say is, I've got to table this for a minute and maybe I'll get back to you. Let me tell you what, God doesn't operate that way. There's a great passage of scripture I want you to look at with me for a moment in Isaiah chapter 40. This ought to be a passage that resonates with each and every one of us. In Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 28, listen to what Isaiah the prophet asked. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You think about that for a minute. Here is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He never faints. He never gets weary. His understanding is unlimited. You remember the words of Paul when he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his ways. God in heaven, all-knowing. In verse 29 he said, He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But now listen to him in verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord. The word wait here means to wind or to twist. We get our word rope from this term. And what Isaiah is saying is that God is our rope, our cord of defense our lifeline, if you please. He said, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So I want to ask you a question. Can God help us with our problems, with our anxieties, with our worries? My response is, what a question. We're talking about the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth, the one who neither faints nor is weary. 
the very one of whom Isaiah said, there is no searching of his understanding. God has the power to handle our anxieties and worries. God has the wisdom to handle our anxieties and worries. So here's the question. Why do we hold on to them? Why do we try to bear them ourselves? Now, turn back with me if you would to Philippians chapter 4. Listen again to what Paul said. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Isn't it a privilege? An awesome privilege to know that we can go before the throne of God and make requests. Pour our heart out. Tell him how deeply distressed and hurting we are. And to know that he cares. That in the heart of hearts, God in heaven cares. As Peter said, casting all your care on him. And the reason is, for he cares for you. That is personal. God cares for you. He cares for you where you are in life. So, the reality of anxiety, the remedy for anxiety, and then the reminder to those who are living in anxiety. Two things here. First of all, I think we need to remember the presence of God. Back up and look at verse 5. In verse 5, here's what Paul said. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Now listen to him. The Lord is at hand. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that God is at your side. That you have the presence of God in your life day in and day out. You go to school, God's with you. You go to work, God is with you. You go to the hospital, God is with you. You go to the cemetery, God is with you. Whatever your anxieties, whatever your struggles, whatever your worries, God is with you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Back in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. You remember God told Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And so now the leadership of Israel falls on the shoulders of Joshua. Joshua is going to be entrusted with the responsibility of leading the people of God into the promised land. And so down in verse 9, God said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Now listen to him. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, you talk about comforting, encouraging words. God is saying to Joshua, look, wherever you go, through thick and thin, if you're down in the valley, if you're up on the mountaintop, wherever you go, I'm right there with you. Now, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13 reiterates this promise. But the promise is made to us. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
God is not going to abandon us. In our worries, anxieties, the cares of this life, the problems of this life, the struggles that we face, the sadness, all of the things that we face in this life, to know that our God is right beside us. You can't put a price tag on that. You talk about selling Christianity to people, this sells. To know that God in heaven is right beside us. There's a second thing. Not only is there the presence of God in life, but drop down and look at verse 7. There is the peace of God in life. Paul said, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The word guard is a military term. And think about it. Paul is in a Roman prison. He understands something about being under military guard, doesn't he? He's got a Roman guard chained to him 24-7. And they're rotating these guards every four to six hours. So here is the Apostle Paul. He is under Roman guard. And he said, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Now that word guard means to protect by a military guard. Think about a military guard standing firm to prevent the hostile invasion of the enemies. What Paul is saying is, the peace of God is standing guard over your heart and mind. Does God have that kind of power? Can he guard my heart? Absolutely. Paul said, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I've got something greater than a military guard standing over my heart. I have the peace of God. So Paul is saying here, in times of anxiety and worry, we ought to pause and think deeply about the presence of God and the peace of God. I want to ask you this question. Do you need the peace of God in your life? Do you need what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 4? I need it. And I think all of us, in our heart of hearts, we need what Paul is talking about here. It's difficult to live without anxiety and worry in this world. And yet I know that the Lord Jesus said, do not worry. I know Paul said, in nothing be anxious. In other words, in nothing worry. But we do it anyway. And what Paul is saying is, there is a remedy. There is an antidote. The antidote is the Lord. We have to be willing to lay our burdens on Him. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 55? Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. Do you believe that? Sometimes we talk about Scripture in theory, but not in practice. 
What the Lord wants us to do is to take his word and to internalize it, to make it a part of life. As Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In closing today, let me ask this Let me ask this question. Are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian and you understand what the Bible says that you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you understand that the Bible says you need to repent as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3. You've never confessed the name of Christ before others as the Lord said in Matthew 10, 32. But you see the need to do that today. You've never been baptized into Christ so that your sins might be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen. But you see the need to do that. But you haven't. Why shoulder the anxieties and worries of life? Why go at it alone when you have the Lord at your side? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, today's the day of salvation, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It might be that you're here today and you're not living like you ought to be. What I would encourage you to do is to come home. You can't be happy. You can't be at peace. You can't be satisfied. You can't be living in contentment. Because you know your life's not what it ought to be. And yet, the Bible says, confess your faults, confess your sins one to another, pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that with you today. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. The beauty is God will abundantly pardon. Won't you come as we stand and sing?